more to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Jason Com, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives through the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 22, One Triune God. I'm Pastor Tom Mars, a senior pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. I am Vicar Jason Kahn. And I am uh, currently seminarian Dylan Meyer, but uh, soon to be uh, Vicar Dylan Meyer. And we're glad that you're with us as we continue looking this week specifically at Holy Trinity Sunday, one of the major celebrations of the church year. And throughout this, we will have the opportunity to have our current vicar, uh, Jason Com, with us, and also our future vicar, uh, Dylan Meyer, as we dive into what exactly is the Trinity? Why is it that we uh, take time out of all the Sundays of the church year to have a Sunday specifically the Holy Trinity? Trinity. And so with that in mind, it sounds kind of interesting. What exactly is Trinity? And of course, Trinity means three in one. And so the question is, how many gods really, Jason, are there? Well, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they are abundantly clear. There is only one God, one Lord, one creator of heaven and earth. And so you'll remember, we've talked about this in our Trek Through the Scriptures study. I've mentioned it a couple of times throughout Living the Faith, but Jewish tradition, they adhere to strict monotheism. There is one God, not many, not any other, just one God. And he goes by a very specific personal name. So if you remember back to Exodus chapter 3, when God reveals his name to Moses, you'll likely remember that that name is Yahweh, or I am. I am what I am. Um, That was a new name never before seen before Exodus 3. But this is the name that God presents to Moses as, this is who I am. I just am. That's the one God that we worship. And at the same time, God is also a trinity. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God, and yet three. It can get a little confusing, but if we fast forward to Matthew chapter 28 at the Great Commission, Jesus is commanding his disciples to go out and baptize believers in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's a new name, never before seen before that point. And yet we confess that that is the same God, that Yahweh is Trinity and always has been. I think this is um, a remarkable thing that we confess. Well, first of all, uh, we confess that it really is um, a mystery, and uh, we don't really know uh, to a certain degree how this is possible. We can't really conceive it. Um But we believe it and confess it in faith uh, that um, somehow our God uh, is three persons in one. And that really is what um, is remarkable behind uh, the um, belief of the Trinity, I think. 
Well, what's really interesting, we can see that the understanding of Trinity is not a new concept, not something that's thrown in later, but really from the very beginning of creation. One of the things that's very interesting in, we talked about this as we went through the trek through the scriptures, some of you will remember, Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we often, as we were talking about the first article of the Apostles' Creed, that it talks about we attribute creation to God the Father. But then if you jump forward to the New Testament, kind of using the words that Jason used a little earlier to John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was God and the word was with God. And of course, make no mistake about it, the word order, the word usage draws the understanding. Hey, this is connected to what happens in Genesis chapter one. And so we see God the Father in the creation in the beginning, we see Jesus as a being there as a part of it. And then as we go to verse chapter, uh, verse two of chapter one of Genesis, what do we see? And the spirit of God hovered over the water. Indeed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now it's not in one verse there right at the beginning, but clearly uh, God, the, while we attribute the creation to God the Father, God the Son was there, God the Holy Spirit was there, and, and so while there's that three in one, uh, which is, as Dylan was saying, a mystery, one of those things that's hard for us to understand, and yet clearly all three there, even though we specifically attribute the work of creation uh, to God the Father. What I love specifically about the Holy Spirit's role in creation, and this is often overlooked, but when we think of the creation of mankind, Adam's creation in Genesis chapter 2, we see that Adam was made in a slightly different way from the rest of all of God's creatures. God took dust and formed it into a human and then literally breathed his spirit, his life into this human, and it became a living person. And so humans, human creatures, have this breath of life that that's the Holy Spirit. God breathed his own spirit into us, and that, that's what makes humans human. We're, we're made in his image. God breathed his own life into us. And so we often overlook that, uh, the Holy Spirit's role in creation. But that's one of my favorite little details about the Trinity's involvement at the very beginning. I like how whenever we talk about the Trinity and the Trinity's involvement in creation, my senior thesis at Concordia University, St. Paul, I wrote um, an exegetical on John 1, 1 through 5, and it was remarkable to study that verse 3, where it's saying all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. That I read that out of the ESV, the English Standard Version um, translation, but I think that's just um, something that we often overlook and we don't really take to heart, that everything was created through our one God, uh, or by our one God, through his three persons. Um, and like Jason was saying, uh, you know, even when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think, how can the Holy Spirit be um, involved in the work of creation? The Holy Spirit, um, we can see in the way that God breathes life into, um, into uh, that dust. So that's, that's really powerful. 
One of the interesting things as we talk about theology and exegesis is understanding words that are both in Scripture and those words which are not found in Scripture. Uh, one of the things that we often talk about is uh church speak. And I talk about words that outside the church, they don't necessarily always understand or know what they mean. And Trinity is an interesting one because uh, you won't find the word Trinity anywhere in the scriptures. And yet it's a word that the church has used from the very early on to describe God. It's a descriptive word of God, but yet it's not a word found in Scripture. As we were talking about just a few moments ago, and we were talking about Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2, uh, uh, how we see these descriptions of God, understanding Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet not the word Trinity to describe it found there. And so it's always very important to realize words that we use in the church to define them so people understand them, but also be very upfront when we're talking about words to use to describe theology and words that are actually found in Scripture. I think that's very critical when we are speaking both inside and outside the church, because the last thing we need is people outside the church somehow questioning uh, decisions or words that we use. Oh, well, that's not found in Scripture. Well, it may not be found in Scripture, but we admit it's not found there, but it's used to describe Scripture, which kind of really is a lead-in to the next topic we want to talk about, and that is creeds. As we've gone through our trek through the Scriptures, as we've gone through our living the faith, again and again we've described what creeds are. Uh, creeds coming out of some kind of controversy that the church gets together to be able to explain some particular doctrine or theology over against some false doctrine or theology that is somehow invading the church. That a creed comes out of that statement of what we believe to confirm against some kind of false doctrine or false theology. And oftentimes we specifically describe three ancient or ecumenical creeds. There is the Apostles' Creed, the oldest, uh, shortest, best known of the creeds. And again, it can be much deeper than that, but wasn't written by the apostles, but contains their teachings. Uh, the Nicene Creed, which we say on Communion Sundays, and then the Athanasian Creed, the longest of those three creeds. It's actually two pages in our hymnal, one that we only use once a year. And really, it comes out of a controversy related to the Trinity. And that controversy was uh, in the fourth century, and it was by a pastor named Arius. Yes. You probably have the Apostles' Creed memorized. There's a good chance you may have the Nicene Creed memorized because we say them week after week, Sunday after Sunday. But then we get to the Athanasian Creed, and people often wonder, uh, what's that one all about? And so to briefly go over the conception of this longer creed, uh, as Pastor Marcus was talking about, in the early 4th century, there is this, this pastor named Arius. He made a claim that Jesus Christ was not true God. Now, that is blatantly wrong, according to the testimony of the Scriptures. We believe, teaching confess that Jesus is true God, that he is the Son of God, and also true man. And echoing Dylan's thoughts from earlier, this is not something that we can fully comprehend or understand, but it's just the truth of what's given to us in the Scriptures. And so we roll with it, whether we understand it or not. We just confess 
yes, Jesus is man and Jesus is God. So the church's response to this sort of claim by this guy named Arius was in the year 325, so a little bit after this teaching surfaced, uh, that's a good date to have in your mind because that's when this event called the Council of Nicaea happened. What happened in the Council of Nicaea? That was the birth of the Nicene Creed. Kind of makes sense there. Nicaea, Nicene, they sound similar. That's because they're deeply related. That's how we got the Nicene Creed. But a couple hundred, well, about 150 years later, toward the end of the fifth century, this new creed called the Athanasian Creed comes out, and that further explores this mystery of the Trinity. It's constantly flip-flopping its talk between the Father is God and the Son is God and the Holy Spirit is God. And I say that it, uh, it is anonymous because it's attributed to one of Arius's opponents, and his name was Athanasius, but we're not certain that it was actually written by him, even though this creed is named after him. And so we really reserve this creed for Trinity Sunday, this one day in the church year, because granted, it is much longer than the other two creeds, and it would take a significant more time out of the service if we did it week after week. But it's also really good for us to review and understand, because it explores this mystery of the Trinity without trying to explain it. And I think that is very vital for us to know. Yeah, I uh, think it's really important for us to touch on this dispute that occurred between Arius and uh, um, Athanasius, where we get the Athanasian Creed, um, because Arianism was um, a misunderstanding, and um, there were people—it wasn't just one guy, there were a, a bunch of people that were— believing this. And in fact, even today you have Jehovah's Witness. Um, Jehovah's Witness are are, are today's uh, Arianism uh, believers. They, they do not confess that Jesus is Lord and God. And so um, it's a very um, understandable misunderstanding. But the thing that was important that came out of this was that we were able to articulate, well, here, here is actually what Scripture is saying. This is what the Word of God is saying. And we were able to confess that and believe that. And so I won't go into detail, or I won't read this uh, deep into detail, um, but I invite you to take a look uh, at just how specific the Athanasian Creed gets um, in some of its areas, because they, they're really trying to specify um, what is the Trinity? What do we believe? And what does the Word of God say? Well, it's really interesting as you go through the Athanasian Creed, there's a lot of repetition. Jason mentioned it uh, just a few moments ago. But one of the things that's very, as is the Father, so is the Son, as is the Father and the Son, so is the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it's very interesting to point out this is where they are the same. And then, especially in the idea and relationship to Jesus, begotten, not made, uh, that is the Son only. Uh, this, the God, the Father is not begotten. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not begotten. But Jesus is begotten. So it, it gets into this very specificness as it relates to that. And so uh, when we think about Trinity Sunday, it's one of those things to understand why are we saying this long creed? 
Why is it that we have to say the Athanasian Creed, it's Trinity Sunday, it's a long creed, we got a lot to do. Well, it's important for us to be reminded again and again just who we are and who our God is, and that's what a creed uh, really does. Now, Trinity Sunday uh, obviously follows after Pentecost. Last Sunday was Pentecost. Uh, The color on the altar was red. It's the birthday, so to speak, of the Christian church. Uh, From there on, the church spreads out throughout the then known world, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now the week after that, as we talk about the birthday of Christian, okay, so what is the church all about? And that would be the Trinity. And it's one of those times in the year where we're, we're changing colors. So now last Sunday, the color was red. This Sunday with Trinity, the color will be white. And then the following Sunday will be green, and then it'll be green for a long time because it's green, the growing and spreading of the church uh, through the season of Pentecost. But the color is white, uh, the purity, the perfect nature of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it really drives home uh, what it is that we are celebrating on Trinity Sunday. And as we've talked about often uh, throughout both the trek through the scriptures and also then uh, living the faith, was the colors on the altar signify something and really point us to what the main emphasis is at that time of the church year and the like. And we've mentioned the reciting of the Athanasian Creed several times already, but that is a part of what we do on Holy Trinity Sunday and only on Holy Trinity Sunday. And so, yeah, to be honest, we're going to spend a lot more time reciting the Creed than we usually do. You're probably fed up sometimes with how long the Nicene Creed can get. And so this, this will take more time out of our service. But think of this as an opportunity to confess and to reflect on just the mystery of the Trinity, what we know and what we don't know. Uh, We rejoice in knowing that God is one, and yet there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Are we ever going to be able to fully comprehend that in our human brains? No, definitely not. Uh, But we can still rejoice in that God is more than our Creator. He is more than our Savior. He is more than our sanctifier, but He is in fact all of these, and He works through these three persons that He is, while still remaining one. I like that word that you use, Jason, um, in terms of like speaking and articulating our creed. You said reflect. Um, Reflecting is something that I think uh, we oftentimes Um, we go to church and we say the creed and even in regards to the Athanasian creed with how long it is, it can be so easy to just kind of go through the droning, um, of saying it. Um, but, uh, reflecting on those words and contemplating, um, you know, how has, how have how have I seen God at work in my life? Uh, how have I read throughout the scriptures, uh, the various ways in which God is working in his three persons. I think that is just, um, something that, um, our creeds can do for us. Um, and, uh, it's why we confess them. And as we get into the Trinity, 
it's among the many, but the mysteries of the faith. And one of the things I think that is important as we reflect on the Trinity, who God is and what he's done for us, it's not an idea that we're somehow going into it that we're going to be able to solve this mystery. As we often talk about, there are just some mysteries of the faith that we will never, ever solve, that we merely accept by faith. And the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one of those. Uh, how do we uh, accept it other than by faith? Because it is unexplainable. Uh, obviously, we use things like the, the the Trinity and using the triangle, so to speak, that, you know, three different sides at one triangle, you know, that kind of thing. But nevertheless, uh, to realize that it's a mystery that we will only fully understand once we get to heaven. And so Trinity Sunday is one of those times that we reflect on the mystery of God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as we prepare for that, we encourage you to really read through some of the scripture readings that day by day we have coming up to reflect on some of the prompts related to the thinking of that. And uh, on Trinity Sunday, uh, Vicar Com will be preaching about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and an opportunity to kind of tie it all together as to what it is the Scripture tells us, what it doesn't tell us, uh, and which is also critical when we start trying to describe who the Trinity is. We need to be careful that we don't go beyond what Scripture says and add in our own thoughts or reflections that, that are not within Scripture. So what does Scripture say about the Trinity? What does Scripture not say about the Trinity? And so that will be among the Bible class and uh, preaching on that Sunday. So as you reflect this coming week on the Trinity, uh, we encourage you to day by day, look at the scripture readings that are laid out before you, uh, do some of the reflecting uh, on the questions that are set before you, as we are reminded of the mystery, the wonder of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but realize what a blessing and gift it is to know that we have one God, yet three persons who cares for us guides us, calls us in the faith, and will be there for us. May the Lord bless your study and reflections this week as we focus in on who the Trinity is and as we continue our living the faith. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.